Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a writer performer and enrolled member of the cowlitz indian tribe who has written for many things including ninjago decoded this day in use of celebrity history and the upcoming native animated show spirit rangers along with writing and directing the great animated short telling people you're native american when you're not native is a lot like telling a bear you're a bear when you're not a bear please welcome joey clift welcome uh hey brandon yeah thanks for having me also sorry the name of that short is so long <laughs> no you know what i i masochistically put it in here because i was like wow this is this is a real challenge to say and i want to see if i can say it oh, and also yeah. it's great uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, when I when I came up with the name for that short, I did not know that it was uh, something I was going to have to say very often. <laughs> <laughs> have you gotten it down to a science at this point? Yeah. So let's see. I I mean, originally I was like, oh, is there a shorter way to say it? Telling people you're native. Uh, then I was like, oh, could I just do like the the acronym for it? But yeah. then the acronym for it is like. T P Y N A W Y N A N I A, and it's just like, oh, that's like even more unwieldy in the words. So now I just, with no emotion in my voice, I'm just like, yeah, I'm the writer director of telling people you're Native American when you're not Native is a lot like telling a bear you're a bear when you're not a bear. Anyway, thanks for having me. You know, so it's like, yeah. now I just, I have like the rhythm of saying it down and the rope, the, uh, basically like that part of my brain is now just like melted into steel. That's like uh, me with this, the intro to this show. I, d I just can just say it off the top of my head and it doesn't really mean anything because I say it. It's kind of like white noise. It's like the yeah, thing yeah, I yeah, say yeah. before the thing. Oh, um, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just the, it's like, oh, my brain, this is going to be like probably about two seconds where my brain's just going to take a nap. <laughs> Perfect. Just going to do a quick little recharge. Uh, thank you, by the way, for joining, for allowing the show to be a part of the Joey Clift has some free time. So he's spending it guesting on podcast summer 2021 tour. Uh, yeah, that's right. You can follow this tour at hashtag J-C-H-S-F-T-S-H-I-G-O-P-S-2021 on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, that's the Joey Clift has some free time, so he's spending it guesting on podcasts. Summer 2021 tour. We just released a poster. It's very fun. I'm, it's um, a great poster. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm considering uh, spending money to get a billboard in Los Angeles to put the poster <laughs> on. But I'm trying to figure out, actually, you might be able to help me with this. Like what? Like I kind of want every podcast I was on on the tour to be on the billboard, but then it's like if I did that, I'd be promoting the tour like afterward. But that's like also funny to me. <laughs> if I'm just like if I get a billboard and promote the the tour in like the past tense. <laughs> I like the idea of yes. I like the the added layer of the bit being post it to like just advertising of it you know as opposed like the true opposite of all of the build-up for any other tour is so pre that and then it kind of stops and then this is the absolute opposite of that to me that's a kind of a pertinent kind of a perfect button on this situation yeah like so like come october if you're driving like on the sunset strip in hollywood or whatever <laughs> you might see uh this podcast promoted on a billboard with a drawing of my face next to it that'd be so funny i really like that a lot yeah, I think um, you've, sold, you've sold me on doing it afterwards. This this also means that I don't have to figure it out for another month, which I love. <laughs> even better. Even yeah. better on top of that. The uh, deeply unfair question, how are you? Uh, how am I? Oh, yeah, that is... Uh, you, you, you prepped me for it before we started recording that it was an unfair question. And even now I'm like, oh, I didn't prepare for this at all. Um, I would say I'm... I think I'm doing well, honestly. Um, you know, uh, like as of this recording, you know, COVID numbers are up in LA, which is, you know, stressful, but I'm like, you know, vaccinated and trying to be as safe as I can. I also, yeah. um, you know, like I, I feel um, fortunate. Like I, I feel like, um, I feel like I am in a fortunate position in how my life is set up to weather this storm and mm -hmm. by that i mean going into this i was already kind of a shut-in anyway <laughs> like you know like i like hanging out at home you know like i have friends i go to party you know pre this went to parties did a lot of live shows in la and stuff but like i don't mind hanging out at home 
Um, I also um, uh, have a roommate that I get along with really well. I have neighbors that I get along with really well. We're all on a text chain together. So we go on like socially distant neighbor walks together all the time. Nice. Um, and, you know, like I, I also feel really fortunate being, you know, like at, at this point right now in my life, um, primarily like an animation writer, like I write cartoons and stuff. And that's something that like um, has not stopped at all over the course of the pandemic because you can make cart because cartoons by its nature does not require everybody in the same room. So it's like, yeah. you know, the voice actors can record it from their homes with mic setups. Um, the animators can do it from their homes with like, you know, pads and stuff like that or with, a, you know, like smart pads and stuff like that. Like we we do, you know, our writers rooms over Zoom. So it's like you know and also just you know i feel lucky that like my you know my friends and family are all healthy so you know i think uh i also uh let's see uh personal news um i've used i've used this time to like upgrade my life in subtle ways so like i realized that like oh i didn't really like iron my clothes a lot before covid so now whenever i go outside to something where it's like important that i wear a button-up shirt i'm like oh i should like look nice so i uh bought like a really intense like the most professional clothes steamer i could buy oh um it's like uh it's it like i spent two days researching this clothes steamer that like gets wrinkles out of clothes i've not opened the box yet i got it in the mail a week ago haven't opened it and assembled it yet but like oh man when i do my pants are not going to have a single wrinkle ever again <laughs> i was gonna say you are literally and figuratively like kind of softening the edges here of your life like little things that can really that's something i think about more now too is like little changes that can really add up over time yeah and i, I think that that's something that like i'm you know like like i have the bandwidth to do this over this time because i'm not you know like like I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today about like, oh, like I miss, I definitely miss doing live comedy shows. I um, I did my first um, live in-person show in a year and a half, about two weeks ago. I got invited to um, speak on a bunch of panels and things like that at um, mm -hmm. a film festival in Reno, Nevada. And um, it's called the Cordillera International Film Festival. Shout out, real fun. And like, it was my first time in front of an audience in a year and a half. And like, though it's like a panel at a film festival, it's not like, you know, a comedy show, still just like getting laughs from an audience for the first time in a year and a half in like a live tactile audience. Like it just like, you know, uh, like it just, you know, injected me with a type of heroin that I've craved, <laughs> didn't realize yeah. I needed, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, but like, but so I, though I miss having that in my life as a regular part of my life, I don't miss staying up until 2 a.m. to do a black box comedy show in L.A. in front of 10 people or whatever, you know. So I think that because I have like the extra time in my life that I'm not spending doing, you know, a ton of comedy shows, memorizing bits, whatever. Like I am trying to use that time to like, yeah, just do like adult stuff. Like um, like I started Invisalign like a couple months ago to straighten my teeth. I uh you know, uh, got this clothes steamer, you know, I bought a really nice office chair, like, um, you know, like I bought a, a new, a new comforter with a duvet cover. So I learned how to do duvet covers, you know, it's just like, those yeah, little, yeah. it's just those like little upgrades that are like, that, yeah, like add up and just make you feel like a more well-rounded human, I guess, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like but, yeah, I, it's like death by a thousand cuts, right. Of little it's, things. It's like, it's like what's well, it's what's the because these are good things. It's not death by. Oh no, that's not like, yeah. It's fair like enough. life, life by a thousand band aids. I don't know. <laughs> hugs by a thousand cuts. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugs. It's death by a thousand hugs. Yes. Per okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, we figured it out. But uh, <laughs> but how about you? How are you doing, man? That's a great question. I I'm I'm okay. That's you know that's um in terms of like thinking about what you were saying too about I I I. All of this has given me just, I mean, look, if anything's going to give you a perspective, a pandemic is a hell of a choice to do that. And just thinking about, I think a lot about, about like want versus need, about what I require at this point, you know, at such and such a day versus what I need on such and such a day and trying to diagnose what that is. And some days are easier than, ever, uh, than, than others. And 
all of this is just so much to process and not being, you know, having that regular human contact, I guess, or maybe whenever you can, is just so utterly unnatural. All of this is so difficult in a multitude of ways, put it lightly, and I'm also very lucky so I could have it so much worse, but, you know, all of this weird ranting on my part is, uh, yeah, I'm okay, and that's all I kind of need to be these days, I think. Um, it, it is so weird. Um, I was uh, fully vaccinated as of April, and I had my first, like, in-person hangouts in, like, May, and... Like, you know, with, you know, friends, they're also fully vaccinated. And we, you know, we were as safe as we could about it. And it's like, yeah. I think that it definitely took everybody some level, or at least my friends, some level of recalibrating of what small talk is. Yes. Um, like, I like, uh, you know, asking somebody like, you know, like you even said at the top of this, it's like, how are you doing? Is like 2019 pretty easy question 2021 <laughs> oh it's gonna take some thinking you know yeah, uh so it's like like and it's also like i remember uh one one of my friends we, we we a friend of mine rented a movie theater and we all saw mortal Kombat together um uh in may and one of my friends who i hadn't seen in probably a year walked up to me in his version of small talk which was he was just like has joey clift gained weight and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like have i I don't know. I thought I lost. I thought it was, and it's like, and it's like, oh, I know that he was trying to make like small talk, but it's also like, what a weird thing to say to like, how dare you? <laughs> um, you know, it's an uh, attention getter. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a jarring, like, oh, we're all trying to figure out what the appropriate comments to make are to have fellow humans. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so like, you know, so like something that I, two things that I've learned that are safe questions for small talk purposes are uh oh yeah so did you get like a new, did you get like a new office chair did you like upgrade your desk setup or whatever you know because i feel like everybody especially everybody that like you know is in a position where they've had to like work from home or whatever has probably done something to improve their work from home setup right absolutely like what like did you get a new desk chair or a new desk or what did you did you upgrade that stuff at all yeah you know something of <laughs> being becoming um keenly aware of and familiar with back pain yeah i'm like oh i yeah. gotta fix this so yes a hundred percent yeah 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 wait what, what did you what, what what kind of chair did you get give me the deets oh man i don't even honestly i it was as and this probably speaks more to my mindset i was like i googled like popular desk chair and then just bought it so you know, like whatever the most they every it feels like there's always lists like the greatest desk chair, the greatest yeah. whatever of 2021, and then they have collated lists of most affordable, best, blah, blah, most popular. And I was just like, that sounds good, and I went with one of those. And I couldn't even tell you what it is, but I know it's comfortable. Yeah, and that's I, all I could ask for. I did that, and I also like I watched video reviews of desk chairs, which <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. not know was a thing on YouTube, but apparently it is. <laughs> uh yeah it was a lot of it's like oh if you want to watch a 20 minute video of somebody testing out a test a desk chair and then talking about it boy has youtube got you covered um yeah so it's like i feel like it's like that's a safe question and then for me it's like what's the what is the weirdest thing that you panic bought at the start of the pandemic like where you were just at the store you know right when things were kind of starting to shut down and you were just like uh, uh i guess i'll buy this like, well, yeah. what, what was that? For me, that was, um, I was at a Fred Meyer and they were out of, like, they were running out of pasta and they were out of a lot of canned foods. But I saw, like, this big box of applesauce and I just, like, <laughs> panic bought this, like, crate of applesauce. I don't even, I don't hate applesauce, but I don't really like it either. So, but I was just like, oh, that's calories just in case stuff gets real bad. This will, like, whole, I'll just eat applesauce for, like, a week. That'll be fine. Uh <laughs> And it's still uh, it's still on my kitchen table. I have not opened it. I think it expired three months ago. So yeah, I guess is it anything like that for you that you like just panic bought when you were at the store, like at the start of the pandemic? Yeah, it's a it's a real interesting twofer of things. It's like a couple bags of Albanese gummy bears <laughs> and uh, hand sanitizer, which is like hardly uh, original, but it was more of a. That, that self-perpetuating land grab of it to where I was like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. everybody's buying it, so I feel like I need to buy it. 
Do you like um, Albanese gummy, bear, gummy bears? Also, did you eat them? Uh, yes and yes. They are oh, good. They are the best in the business, in my opinion. They are so good. Oh, Highly shit. recommend them. Highly I recommend them. I've never had these, but I'll add these. I'll add these to the list. They're the best. They are so good. Um, were you in a? By the way, were you in a writer's room to begin, like pre? pandemic into the pandemic or what did that happen during the pandemic um so my uh my pandemic work path is at the start of the pandemic i was writing on a quibi show called useless celebrity history which i think you mentioned yeah uh in my setup and uh that the job had just started we'd been working on it for about three weeks and honestly, it was like a really cool job. It was like my uh, my friend Matt Mazzani, who's a really great um, director, writer, artist, comedy guy, um, like brought me in for the job and he brought in, you know, a ton of, you know, my other friends to also write on the show. So it was basically a writer's room of like five or six of my best friends all writing for this Quibi show. Uh, and then, um, yeah, it was a shutdown due to the pandemic because um, it was like an in-person variety show also as a show for quibi so like who knows how long it would have really lasted <laughs> yeah you know? like um we would have had another week and a half of it had it not been for the <laughs> pandemic um but yeah so uh like we did that like i did that into the pandemic and it was such an interesting creative process of writing on that show because like while like our last day of that show in person was like the friday everything shut down okay. so like so like for two weeks beforehand like just the uh overcast clouds of covid were like creeping in in a way that like you know it was like a daily kind of variety show kind of like a talk show so like at first we were like we're gonna write a ton of man on the street bits those are really easy to do and then like oh, the no. numbers started going up and we were like we're not gonna do those we're not gonna talk to <laughs> random people in hollywood We'll do stuff uh, in a in a closed studio where, where we'll have a bunch of people just in the studio. <laughs> oh, Wait, no. that's that's a bad idea. We cannot do that. You know. <laughs> so then it was like, uh, okay, what are bits that we can do with just the host outside? Wait, productions are shutting down. We can't do that. Okay, Zoom bits. What are Zoom bits? <laughs> um, and uh, that, that, I should shout out that host was uh, that show was hosted by um, Adam Rapon, who's a super funny. Uh, Super funny comedian performer. Also, he has a bronze medal in figure skating, which uh, is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, that that was actually um, when things were kind of uh, like the last week of the show when we were like, oh, I mean, I'm not sure if we should all be in a small writers' room together. He brought in his bronze medal and like let all of us take pictures holding it. So like, uh, so he definitely he that you know boosted our morale. But it was also like, it was just such a wild like thing to write for this like show that was like definitely dealing with the realities of the pandemic while we're all like every five minutes it's just like wait tom hanks has covid you know we're like the nba shutting down why are we still doing things you know um, <laughs> those were such watershed moments too for that that was like that that weird like are you a sports person or are you a tom hanks fan and both had equal realities of oh this is bad yeah, yeah, it's like when the NBA was like we're shutting our season down. It's like, oh, this is like real. Like this isn't this isn't just a like thing. This isn't just a like, you know, thing to be aware of. This is like, oh, this is going to affect our lives in a real way. Well, I uh, had that yesterday by the way with this the the new surge happening. Yeah. When I saw that BTS canceled their tour, I thought, "Oh, this is really this is even worse than I thought if they're, you know, with the same thing with the NBA, the same concept of Oh, they're turning down free money. This must be really bad. Wait, are you a big BTS person? I like them, and I, I'm more fascinated by them more than I have experience with their music. But I know that they are the are maybe the biggest thing in the world. So if they're canceling their tour, they know something I don't. Nah, I get what you're talking about, where it's sort of like, oh, I guarantee that they've sold out like stadiums for the yes. past. And it's like, Oh, that's just like, you know, if BTS is turning down stadium sellout money for the interest of their own safety, it's like... It must be bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, it's, it is wild, but, um, but yeah, so I so I finished that show. Uh, that, that show, like, their, that job ended due to the pandemic. And then um, I had two months off. And then uh, Spirit Rangers started up in May. 
and I basically just like worked on that until last June, so like uh, you know a month ago oh, wow. or whatever. Um, and that was and that that room was like entirely over Zoom. We did it entirely over video chat. We met in person like once or twice, just because you know we worked together for you know a year and had become friends and stuff like that. But you know it was always like social distanced and safe and like less of a work meeting and more like let's all go hang out in a park because we're friends, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it is. Uh, and, and it is also like such a wild time being a comedy writer in this time because it's like like you know uh like this has definitely been like a time of weird political stuff and it's like oh while people are like storming the united states capitol i've got to like write a fart joke for a show or something <laughs> yeah it's just like uh, i guess i'll just like how am i gonna like whatever jokes i wrote the week of the 20 of the 2020 election were not good jokes they were like uh, I'm probably like really more paying attention to CNN than I am my jokes right now, you know. I can't imagine. Just yeah. that. Well, yeah, because like like I was saying before, I'm just trying to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. And then you're having to come be creative and funny amidst a so many things on top of a pandemic. That's a lot. Yeah, it's just a weird like. I, it, it's just a I don't know it's like I, I just chalk it up to like being a comedy writer it's like you know it's cool and it's a job that I like but it's also just a weird career yeah like um, I remember the day after the 2016 election I got hired for a one-day job uh, pitching prank ideas for a big digital channel at the time and it's like oh we were all you know the 2016 election definitely hit a lot of us uh, like a ton of bricks as to the results of it so it's like oh after that came out the next morning having to pitch like okay so what are 20 different things that we can do with this like fart machine or whatever you know <laughs> and just like everybody in the room wishes they were dead but we have to like figure out the, the dumbest prank we can pitch for something you know i yeah i I could barely function that that morning. Yeah. After that, so I mean, maybe I don't know. Easy for me to say. Maybe that was a a welcome distraction to you know to not just have to be funny, but maybe that a, a little sense of obligation can go a long way because I was in such a haze. I mean, it was less. I I would say the gift of it was less, like the the part where I had to come up with dumb pitches while wrapping my brain around the future was yeah. like maybe like not the funnest part and i'm sure everything i pitched that morning probably wasn't the best but like but the part of it that was nice was that oh i was in a writer's room with like four of my friends and we could like process it together and we also were all in the same boat of like ah oh, we have to do this you know yeah that yeah i mean something we said to yeah to your point of having somebody to bounce something off of even if you know, comedy or the real life horrors of the night before, because that, yeah, I, I need somebody else to help me with that brain power because that is so much. And I need those perspectives too. And same thing for all of this, like to be able to, you know, as much as you weren't, I wasn't in the presence of my friends outside of, I mean, same time as you last May that, uh, talking to them and doing this show, honestly, has kept me sane. That's the type of thing that keeps me sane. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's also probably like if I'm thinking of just like safe, like safe questions to ask people, and you know, small talk. You know, when we're, I mean, I hate to say like you know, now that we're post COVID, because like oh, there's a surge in BTS canceling tours, so we're eh, yeah. halfway done. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> it's like I feel like how did you keep yourself sane during this year and a half, two years or whatever is like, that's a good question. Cause I feel like that for me, it's like, you know, it's for sure having like, you know, a fun job with people I like, but it's also like that, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by like friends and people who I get along with. And honestly for me, like I'm a big pro wrestling fan and just like yeah. that for me was like kind of a security blanket through this time. It's just like, you know, every week there's a new two hours worth of pro wrestling that I can watch and talk about with my friends, you know? Well, and pro wrestling 
did it ever really shut down? I don't. Uh, it did not. It, maybe it should have, but like, it did I know, not, but, no. but it was it was a constant uh, seemingly throughout it, right? Yeah, it's uh like uh, all the pro wrestling shows ran out of Florida and recorded in Florida, which was pretty, you know pretty loose on their COVID COVID guidelines. <laughs> Little so bit. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, maybe maybe they should have uh, taken a break. Then we wouldn't have faulted them for that. Um, yeah, and I know you, the UFC was like throughout casually yeah, throughout let's just like, make an island yeah they were like we'll buy an island and people will battle <laughs> there which um honestly i'd love to see a movie about that this fight island seems like a pretty i mean i feel like there are several movies uh about that and they're all called battle royale <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough yeah where i guess uh the catching fire series yeah the, the, yeah the hunger games the hunger, hunger games, games. <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I one thing i did want to ask you too that I know that with 2021, I, I think this is a very fair word to, to, to describe it as. It's been a fantastic year for native creators, creative stories with Rutherford, Rutherford Falls coming out this year on Peacock, just renewed for a second season. Reservation Dogs is right now on FX, which hopefully will be renewed for 50 more seasons. It's unbelievable. It's so good. It's so good. Spirit Rangers is coming up 2022. Uh, also, like Cliff, Cliff Nesteroff's book came out in February, which I desperately want to read and will be reading soon. And then I know that just recently they announced the the film, Re- the Resball movie with uh, casting right now, which is up and coming drama about basketball on a native reservation. All of that said, like when you started in the industry like 10 ish years ago, were there was this sort of thing like percolating that we would get here? at that point uh so uh thank you for bringing this up i love talking about this stuff yeah um yeah uh it's it's weird i've i've been in los angeles for a little over 10 years i moved here in 2010 and it's been really insane to watch i guess the change in people's attitude toward native stories um like uh you know i i think that up until probably about 2016 2017 2018 there were maybe like half a dozen native tv writers working at any given time in all of hollywood yeah um and that's every tv show movie etc and now there's like probably 50 of us who are working um like honestly the you know it's it's stuff that like it's tough to say whether it was percolating or not because i think people's individual careers were percolating um sierra teller ornalis who's the showrunner of rutherford falls um she was uh you know a staff writer on you know various tv shows at that point um sterling harjo who co-created reservation dogs um had uh you know, he he was doing a lot of stuff in the indie space, um, like in the indie film space. He's got a lot of really great indie films. Yeah. Um, the the fourteen ninety ones, who were an all native sketch group that Sterling's part of, plus a lot of the Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs writers' rooms, were you know doing sketches and kind of tours around the country and stuff like that. Um, and um, you know, like, and I I was kind of you know making my own way in kind of the UCB community in Los Angeles, and you know starting my first you know writing jobs and sketch groups and stuff like that. So I think that you could say that, like, on a talent level, it was percolating. Like, the people that are getting opportunities now are, in large part, people who have been doing it for, like, 20 years, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so it's not that the talent is, like, new in 2021. It's more like the talent is new to the mainstream. So these are people, okay. so, like, so we, 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 we talk about this a lot kind of among, you know, Native Hollywood folks of, like, this isn't like a renaissance in native storytelling. It's not like a moment in native storytelling. This is just us finally breaking through and kind of getting the spot that we always should have had. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know, like, I honestly, I think that that's kind of like my own position in the entertainment industry. I definitely think that um, I'm where I am on the backs of a lot of people. Like um, I'm like, uh, you know, like uh, Charlie Hill was like a really big native comedian of note who um, passed away in, um, I think, the early 2010s. And um, he's like the first and only native to ever be on like The Tonight Show. He's, I think, the last native to ever 
have a spot on a late night show doing stand up. That was like 2006 on Letterman. Yeah. And um, that's what a lot of Cliff, ne Cliff Nestor, a lot of Cliff Nesteroff's book is about Charlie Hill's career. And like, though I never met Charlie Hill, a lot of my friends in the native comedy scene have done shows with him. And like, he was a very, uh, per he was a very, he was a person who was very excited to boost up other native talent. And he was somebody that was very much excited to give other native comedians opportunities and to like share the spotlight. And I think that that's definitely something that with like Sterling Harjo and a lot of like people that kind of came up through Sundance also shared that mentality. So, you know, I think that we're, when I say that I'm like standing on the backs of, you know, people that came before me, it's like, a lot of it is, you know, stuff like that of just like directly other folks in native Hollywood who've been around for longer than me, giving me opportunities, giving me advice, you know, like boosting me up when they can. And then the other side of it is that like in a very real way, um, like we're doing this on the backs of native activists, um, native mm -hmm. people like, like the reason that or like a big reason that like these, these shows are being greenlit in 2020, 2019, 2021, etc., is because the Standing Rock protests in 2015, 2016 of the Dakota Access Pipeline in the Dakotas where um, native people were protesting um, the building of a pipeline on their land, the Dakota Access Pipeline. And, you know, it was like real, like it was real shit. It was like, Elders were getting hosed down by riot hoses, like, you know, people, uh, dogs were, were getting sicked on native activists who really just like didn't want their land to be taken, you know, and their land that was like promised to them through treaties and stuff like that. So land that was like legally theirs. And um, before the Dakota Access Pipeline Standing Rock protests, the media didn't really give uh, native stories much oxygen. We though there were things happening we weren't really getting a lot of coverage and even the standing rock protests in the early going of it didn't really get a ton of coverage in the media but because this is an era of twitter people pulled out their cell phones and started recording videos of just these horrific things and these moments of like heroism from these native activists and all these moments and these started going viral on twitter that it kind of forced the news media to cover it hmm. and i think that that caused like a greater awareness of just like the plight of native folks and also that we're still here and that we still exist and like I so when I say that like these shows are coming kind of coming on the off the backs of those the works of those protesters, it's like that I think taught Hollywood that we're still here and that our stories are valuable and that we're going through stuff, and like that I think started those conversations that eventually led to, you know, executives, producers, or whatever giving native storytellers a chance, which the fruits of that we're seeing in shows like Rutherford Falls, Reservation Dogs, Spirit Rangers. Um, you know, res ball that's coming out pretty soon. Um, and, you know, so like, I think that like Sterling Harjo says this in interviews a lot about like, he was doing a lot of cool work, but his phone wasn't ringing before Standing Rock. But then after Standing Rock, everybody in Hollywood wanted to meet with him, you know? Oh, um, wow. That's so interesting. I just never, I mean, I obviously I remember that, but I, I guess I never, my literal brain going from, oh, that to entertainment, I just wouldn't have occurred to me. But yeah, the representation of that and just the visibility visibility that comes with that yeah when but before yeah it's like a lot of it was visibility and like and i think that that kind of spurred a lot of things on of like also just like get people giving resources to native nonprofits and those native nonprofits being able to use that uh, those funds to like do research to figure out just how bad representation in media is among natives so now we actually have statistics and facts and figures instead of just like no saying like oh it's real bad you know it's like yeah. oh what does that actually mean you know um and uh yeah it's uh like and like i can kind of even feel that in my own career of like i whenever i would bring up like i put together in 2018 the first ever showcase of native american comedians at the ucb theater in los angeles and um it was on columbus day because when else would it be <laughs> and um like that is a show that i had tried to get ucb to do for about five years and that was about five years of like asking them to do it uh you know asking for time slots and like being told no and um wow. like i remember there was one year where the artistic director at the time told me that there was not space on the calendar for it Meanwhile, he put up 12 Star Wars bit shows in one week. 
So it's like, oh, like you couldn't have done 11, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, oh, you just don't want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like, you know, at the same time, I knew so many funny native comedians in native Hollywood that weren't getting these opportunities at mainstream spaces. So I was trying to kind of use my position to, you know, give them opportunities and give them, you know, more of a mainstream stage. And because, you know, UCB's like, that's what Saturday Night Live uses as a farm team. So it's like, if there aren't natives on SNL, like, and there aren't natives doing stuff at UCB and SNL uses UCB as a farm league, then like that kind of answers why that pipeline isn't serving native comedians, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, you know, that, that was even something where like, I felt it wasn't until like 2017 that it felt like the theater would even like take that pitch seriously um, of just like, Hey, what if we did a comedy show that was all native comedians? Um, and yeah, you know, so it's like, I think it really is like before Standing Rock and after Standing Rock as far as a lot of us getting a lot of the opportunities that we've gotten, you know, so I can't give those guys, you know, protesters and activists enough props for or credit for like everything that we're seeing right now, you know? Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Again, it just, I just never would have connected those dots, but that makes so much sense. And to your point too about like, um, like getting statistics about the lack of representation, <clears throat> excuse me, about how uh, <laughs> Hollywood seemingly, you know, is such a, it's um, results oriented if, and it's that catch 22 of like, well, they're not going to green light a native show because they don't have the proof of a successful native show, but how can you have that unless they give those opportunities? Yeah. It's and, like, like everybody in Hollywood wants to be, um, the second person to try an idea not the first person yes yeah that's again outsider looking in but that seems more than fair but i mean just to have those these shows happening right now again rutherford falls and reservation dogs and spirit rangers coming up but just that wow these things that are not only being watched but are are i think beloved is a pretty fair thing people are love Rutherford Falls and I think it's great and Reservation Dogs is one of the best things I've seen in quite a while yeah which only helps that momentum obviously when that that, that's something that's so cool about like like my thought process and I've talked to a lot of people about this is like um Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs are the first two tv shows in the history of tv to like be created by a, or a native person to have a native person kind of you know running things to have a native native writers in the writers room and native actors playing native roles and like native directors on episodes and stuff like that in like the i think that the first tv broadcast was in like 1927 or something like that so in nearly yeah. 100 years of tv this is the first time we're getting this spirit rangers is the first animated series in the history of t in the history of u.s animation created by a native person the genius shumash writer chris of valencia with an all-native writing staff native actors and you know the whole thing and it's like it like this is cool now but like because hollywood if something is a success they want more of it like you know now that rutherford falls is a success hollywood is going to want 10 more rutherford falls reservation dogs hollywood is going to want 10 more reservation dogs when spirit rangers comes out you know it's going to do well and they're going to want 10 more spirit rangers and it's like that's like it's like we're good now but like three years from now it's gonna be nuts in like a good way you know yeah i mean that that really is exciting just again just as a viewer but just that representation matters and you know and i am not the only one watching this also people that are young native children are watching that and realizing the possibilities and what they can do and the massive ripple effect that could have like, that's very exciting yeah well it's like it's that it's like the effect that it has on like it's not just like native kids it's also like sure something that's so nuts to me is like i like i think about this often i i wrote on a, a digital series with an all native writers room in like 2018 and uh, it, it, it didn't get produced but it was like the the production company got the funding to do like the scripts for it so it was like a one week one week writer's room it was super fun and we did a table read of this web series um at like the the theater that netflix has in the main netflix building on sunset mm-hmm. and like 
there was like there were people that I talked to that drove from Oklahoma to this table read of a native web series. Wow. So it's like we're like that starved. And this this was like I was talking to a guy that must have been in his sixties, and it's like that we're like at you know twenty eighteen that we were that starved for native content that somebody would drive from Oklahoma to Los Angeles to just see a reading of a native TV show is like nuts. And that's like, but that's also like something that like it, when I, when I saw stuff like that, I was like, Oh, like these shows are going to be huge hits if there's that. Much. And like, you know, I even felt that in the UCB shows that I did where it's like, there were people that drove from like out of state to see native comedians in a black box theater in LA, you know, like, yeah. uh, like, some of the people who performed in the show flew in from New York to do the show, um, like, or, you know, flew in from Idaho. We had like, a couple of out-of-state performers that, like, just flew in because they were like, oh, an opportunity to perform with other Native comedians. So to see that, like, people are this hungry for Native content that, like, Hollywood wasn't giving them at the time, it's like, oh, of course Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs are hits, you know? It's like, yeah. one, they're amazing shows. Everybody working on the shows are so funny and so good. But, like, too it's just like there's such a demand for it that hollywood didn't realize until now you know man yeah well and that makes sense too and that is wild yeah to your point about like that a table read something it seems like an innocuous innocuous enough thing i guess in terms of the process but it's such a rarity for that group of people to be able to do that that it's a true event yeah 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 that's amazing yeah and it's uh like i i it's you know like it's it's genuinely a beautiful thing to see you know um and it's like a cool thing to be you know to be some small part of whatever this is i you know feel really fortunate that i'm in the right place at the right time to like see this stuff so yeah it's like it's like native kids appreciating this stuff but it's also like elders who've never seen this in their lives who are like stoked to see comedy shows with native talent on them and you know and then it's also just like non-natives who are learning that like native people exist and uh, are still here and still alive and thriving and you know having living funny lives and having cool stories to tell you know so it's it's like all of that plus these are good shows you know <laughs> yeah that's the icing on the cake right like the, all everything that that it that came before it to get to this place and Oh, yeah, they're also fantastic. Yeah, they're also just good TV shows. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was reading your, um, the uh, AMA you did, and how you'd mentioned, how somebody asked you about, like, um, Native representation, like, previous to this general time now in film, and how that, you know, like, Smoke Signals was a, a good film that was actually made by somebody who is Native, and that somebody before that had representation of that were just made by non-natives so to have all of the creative elements of that being driven by them too on top of it and the hits and it was all leading up to it it's the culmination of so many things that must be very satisfying it's also like um like smoke signals is a good film but like it came out 25 years ago so it's like oh it's cool that we have like new things we could talk about (laughs) yeah you know, uh, in terms of like, it's like people were still doing work in the, you know, in between 25 years. Like, you know, there were a lot of really great, you know, films in the indie level and there were a lot of great, you know, comedians, you know, outside of those spaces. But it's sort of like just in the mainstream of like stuff that like your parents may have heard of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. Uh, this is very unrelated to that. But what do you love about cats exactly? Wait, what do I love uh, about cats? Yes. I say that as a cat owner. So I'm. I'm on board with your mission of uh, being pro cat. Uh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I love cats. Cats are great. That was actually another thing that kept me sane through the pandemic is I don't have a cat of my own, but I started to go on those neighbor walks I would do with friends. I would meet like all of the outdoor cats in our neighborhood. Yeah. And like I slowly, they all trust me now. And some of them trot out whenever I walk past for pets, which is very nice. That's um, nice. Yeah, like I like, and there were some situations where like I learned their names because their owners were walking in, and I was like, "Yo, what's your cat's name?" <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, so uh, I think that what I like about cats is they're just real cute. They're real cute and soft, and they 
don't ask for much other than food and pets. So uh, yeah, cats are great. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's about my yeah my uh, my cat uh, Jasmine because she uh, had a J and she had a J in her fur as a kitten whenever my uh, friend found her in the woods. So it seemed like a pretty natural thing to go with. But uh, I actually randomly had a thought the other day when I was describing her to somebody like her temperament. I was realizing I was just describing myself and realizing, oh, yeah, you know, they, they say that like cats or maybe just pets in general take on some of the characteristics of their owner. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot to unpack. And I have the subject of my next therapy session nailed down at that point because that is very informative to me. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like cats are that is something that's funny is like cats are like, you know, animals who are just doing what they're doing. But it's like we put so much on them of like my cat's bossy. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, is your cat bossy or are you bossy? Yeah, I heard somebody describe that one time about how they said that if if you see somebody like talking, like the person who talks to a cat is that they're, they're just talking to themselves. Oh, 100 percent. And it makes so much sense. Except for me. I'm talking to the, I, I expect answers. I'm talking to the cat. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely the exception always and not the rule. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Um, one one last thing too I wanted to ask before we wrap it up. I don't want to take too much more of your time. But uh, I know you went, you said you went to the film festival a couple weeks ago and you also went to the Star Trek convention as well. You were on a panel there. And I've been to multiple like Comic-Con type situations and I just always enjoyed the mutual love the infectious energy of that and how it's just a very nice pleasant experience but being a panelist you have all of that energy pointed towards you i guess as just having a group of people just listening to the things you're saying that must feel really nice especially when maybe you went through a time you said like not performing live for 18 months not having that was that nice or was it overwhelming or was it both in a good way? Yeah, I just want to shout out. That was a Creation Entertainment's 55-year year mission convention. Uh, it was really fun. Um, yeah, that was another thing where I um, they asked me to come out and speak on some panels and stuff. And um, yeah, uh, it's, you know, like as a comedian, I love attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I think that, what I like about um, conventions as opposed to L.A. comedy shows is that, you know, L.A. comedy audiences like, you know, pre-pandemic can be like a little jaded sometimes. And part of it's just because we're at such a comedy heavy town and it's like you're probably performing in front of a room of other comedians who like have their own stuff going on. Whereas the benefit of, you know, performing at like a Star Trek convention is like there's nobody there that's like jaded about Star Trek, you know, everybody yeah. there is like excited to be there and like happy for the thing. Um, and yeah, you know, like I think that that's something that, you know, as a comedian, it's really fun to be aware of that. And it gives you an easy thing to like get laughs off of. So um, like, I remember the first panel that I was on, right before me the panel right before us somebody gave like what i think is called a batleth which is like a it's like with those klingon two-handed sword things okay. um like he gave like a batleth to the audience to like big cheers and we were immediately after them i heard about that <laughs> so i ran to the green room and grabbed like a banana and an apple and i started the panel with like okay i heard everybody i heard somebody gave a batleth away at like the last panel right and everybody was like yeah it was so cool and i'm like okay, I don't have a batleth, but I stole this banana and this like apple <laughs> from the green room. I can give this to you, right? And everybody was like, oh, he referenced the thing that happened. And I was like, yeah, that's right, I did. And I, <laughs> you know, gave them a banana and an apple to cheers and laughs. And, um, you know, it's just uh, what I like about conventions is like, essentially, um, with comedy, it's very, it's important to tap into like the greater unconscious un, the greater consciousness of the room that you're in with comedy people like jokes about things that they know and relate to and it's like it's like if you're working in an office and like one of your coworkers has like crazy hair if you like make a joke about their crazy hair that'll get a laugh because everybody knows that like mark has crazy hair or whatever <laughs> yeah. um and with conventions it's like especially something like a star trek convention it's like everybody knows like 
everybody has this shared consciousness of Star Trek stuff and also convention stuff and also just like people that happened to be there that week. So yeah. it's like Kelsey Grammer was there uh, signing autographs. And I just made a joke about how I was like hounding him to write for the Frasier reboot. And that tore the house down, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it just kind of gives you like easy kind of group think things to bring up and make jokes about that. Like, I think everybody appreciates because it's like, oh, we're all present in the same place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And also like the, yeah, to have that immediate shorthand like that too. Yeah, it's like a shorthand thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. That makes, oh I mean, yeah, that makes so much sense too. And I wasn't expecting Kelsey Grammer, but I guess he was on Star Trek, right? Now that I think about it. Was he? Or, I don't know. Maybe I'm, con uh, you know what? I think I'm conflating him with a completely different actor and Calm Fior or something like that and Scottish actor. I don't know what I'm talking about. I was just like, I just saw that and I was like, eh, everybody loves Frasier anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I only associate him with falling off the stage and have a video I've watched roughly two billion times. It's one of the yeah, it's, I funniest think it's, things I've ever I seen. Think, yeah, I think that his three major touchstones for people are Frasier, Beast from X-Men, or falling off the stage that one time. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. hope that I really hope that like when he's on podcasts, those are the three credits people name. I hope so. I mean, honestly, in terms of a a real like trifecta of things, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's a good career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. First of all, thank you for doing this. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you for allowing me to be a stop on the summer tour. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. This was super fun. And uh, yeah, one more time. This is the Joey Clift has some free time. So he's spending it guesting on podcasts. Summer 21 tour, which you can follow at JCHSFTSHSIGOPS2021 on Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. But, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Joey Tainment. Follow me on Instagram at Joey Clift with like five or six eyes. I forget how many. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is super fun. Absolutely. And thank you again. And thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Please get vaccinated. Absolutely. Just approved as of today. So no more excuses. Go do that. And talk to you next week. Bye.